Cause you can last wow. Double that sword Once I love Once I hate Either way I glitch I ain't dumb What's it gonna say What's it gonna do Got him on the toes Like a midget Had a year and a Couple red roses I'm a gimmick Couple tears At the funeral They cry tears of joy At my funeral yeah. They cry tears of joy At my funeral Still I rise From the ashes Like a phoenix Middle finger to the sky Gripping my Consensual penis Lying ass hoe Out in Phoenix When I say this shit I mean it Fuck you Marks I hate it This for all my fans are waiting Entertainment's hottest Free agent Bitch I'm reincarnated Fuck it It's the Rundown Wrestling Podcast Today It is a special duo The first time ever I am your host Troy And with me Is Sal What's going on, Rundown? All right. It's good to be here. Good to be here. Good to have you. Otherwise, it was going to be a solo night, and nobody likes listening to that. So <laughs> let's get uh, let's get right into it this week um, with a little segment. And to save Jason some editing, we call this The Perfect Ten. The Perfect Ten. And uh, to start things off here, I did want to say that uh, this week has continued to make me feel like we should just turn this podcast into an independent wrestling podcast and not talk about WWE, because this was a little rough this week. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and we talk enough about indie wrestling, we probably could, uh, could make it work without the WWE. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but we're going to start things off by talking about uh, our cross-dressing segment from last week and heading right into Vince just doubling right down on it uh, by having Sami Zayn come out there and do a fake apology, which of course led to the whole I apologize for what I'm going to do to Bobby Lashley because he's twice my size and Bobby Lashley beat the shit out of Sami Zayn. And uh, yeah, this segment was terrible, but not as bad as our segment from last week so because you weren't on the show last week i, I want to get a little bit of your feelings on the cross-dressing segment as well as this little follow-up on it too all right so i didn't have any real expectations for the cross for the sammy Zayn promising to bring out bobby's sisters i kind of figured it was going to be either indie wrestlers or it was going to be a joke and as soon as they walked out in the curtain i i of course realized it was a joke so i wasn't as like i guess like annoyed by it i just kind of took it for what it was and then i liked lashley's fire at the very end of the segment when he got all serious and like you know beat up zane and beat up the sisters i get why people like shit all over it i just don't think it was the worst thing in the world okay all right and how do you feel that the feud has been going so far between these two guys okay so both these guys could have a really good match in Money in the Bank, but um, I just I mean, you know it's kind of tough because Vince sees something that works one week and he decides to just run it right into the ground. And what does he do with Sami Zayn? He puts on the glasses again and he's reading again because people think it's funny, and it's gotten so old to this point that it's like that that's all he does. That's all he does is just, like, read from things wearing, like, funny glasses. And then Bobby Lashley isn't, like, the killer he was in TNA. And it's kind of annoying because he's just another guy. 
Well, he is still, of course, Donald Trump's man. So uh, as long as he, <clears throat> as long as you have uh, uh, the backing of the biggest racist in the world and you're a black man, uh, there's no amount of Ambien that can take you down. So um, <laughs> see Kanye West. <laughs> see Roseanne. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah. So we go from that uh, steaming pile of shit. I'm not ta- I'm not calling Bobby Lashley a steaming pile of shit. I'm just saying the segment is uh, to another steaming pile of shit because the B team has decided to jump the shark already. Now, of course, we we had a question regarding what was going to happen with Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, two very skilled competitors who continue to just get shit on. Um, you know, one both of them are you know second generation superstars and i i would call them superstars except for the fact that wb just doesn't treat them that way and of course we decided to have a barbecue this week because you know wrestling i hate these holiday episodes they just have to force one of those stupid food fights in there now don't they Mm -hmm. every fucking time um okay i really like the idea of the b team like I, i thought it was kind of funny and then, like you said, they've, they've already killed it before they started. They just rammed it down your throat to the point where if they don't win that battle royal next week, what the fuck was all this for? Yeah, you know, we've talked before about the fact that WWE doesn't seem to really care about tag team wrestling. And this is another one of those kind of thrown together tag teams that the audience was getting behind um, because they are two dudes who, you know, are legit interesting guys uh their characters have taken a little bit of a hit but you know bo dallas was was phenomenal in nxt and even when he first came up as you know as you got to believe you know curtis axel was kind of mis you know misrepresented when he first came up to the main roster as kind of paul Heyman's guy and you know being the next big thing and everything of that um when he you know needs to be used to, to a different extent he's a very funny guy too and they just don't give him anything to work with um, but again, I mean, you're like you said, if, if they don't, you know, get a title shot against the, the, uh, the leaders of world, then what's the point? And even then, like, I don't see them winning the title. So it's just, right. you know, it, they're just going to go ahead and derail their momentum altogether anyways. So, so uh, the problem with Curtis Axel, when he first came in as Paul Heyman's guy was, first of all, everybody knew him as Michael McGillicuddy. Uh, he was in the new Nexus, what, like seven months prior or something like that. Uh-huh. And then when he came in, it was okay. It worked. I liked the presentation. I liked his very first match being against Triple H. But then he fought Punk, and that wasn't a good spot for him at that moment, especially when you needed to add Ryback to it to make it more like credible. So Axel's been floundering ever since then. Bo Dallas, as we know, is one of the most over guys in NXT. That doesn't always translate to the main roster, but what killed Bo, in my opinion, was they started doing a streak. Remember, he was 8 and Bo and 9 and Bo, and then as soon as he lost, nobody cared anymore. Mm-hmm. And they've had nothing for him since. Uh, this whole Mizdraj thing I thought was great, but now they just, I don't know. They're, they're headed towards Epico and Primo territory. Yeah. I, I hear you on that, um, which is, you know, a bummer, but maybe they'll get released, you know. <laughs> um, we were going to, to talk about something else, but I feel that, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little little bummed that Jason can't be here to talk about it. But right now, 
Mr. CM Punk and Colt Cabana are having a little, you know, court date with uh, with their their uh, uh, lawsuit against the WWE doctor. And I'm not sure if you had a chance to kind of read any of the notes from the ongoing trial so far. From what I gather, the doctor is actually this part of the lawsuit is the doctor suing Punk. Yes. And of course, Punk is countersuing, but um, it seems that that the doctor's trial is uh, what's what's happening right this moment. In other words, uh, he's the plaintiff at this point, and then I guess we'll kind of see where it goes. I guess it all goes back to that podcast um, and the claims that Punk made that uh, the doctor didn't, you know, treat him mm-hmm. to the best of his ability. But I haven't heard much else since then. Yeah. Um, so I was just kind of reading over, over some of the things, um, the, the biggest takeaway, uh, that I saw was during Mark Carano, uh, during his testimony that he apparently says the rumble is predetermined. So you, so you mean to tell me that, that wrestling is fake? Anyways, uh, no, the, the, the biggest thing, of course, is the fact that, uh, that Carano says that during the match that CM Punk claimed he had a, a concussion and was told that he was leaving the match early, and Punk said no. Now, of course, that would make CM Punk a hypocrite because mm-hmm. he, this whole thing started because he said that the medical staff was not you know treating him right but that sure sounds like the medical staff was trying to treat him right but he decided he you know so also that uh it looks like you know cm punk and cole cabana are probably not going to be friends anymore considering that cole cabana was not backing up the the testimony saying that uh you know uh, that there was a gigantic lump on Punk's back or anything like that. So uh, all in all, this is not looking great for either one of these two guys. Um, and of course, you know, there's other things too that, uh, you know, there's a physician that says that no doctor would give somebody with a staph infection z packs. So that whole thing where, you know, Punk kept saying that he was getting, you know, fed z packs to get healthier or like that. Might not have been true, so. <laughs> yeah, so there seems to be a lot of holes in Punk's original story, and I think the more uh, that comes out, it's going to start ripping holes left and right in it. I will say this, that after listening to that podcast, I had gone back and watched the Royal Rumble match, and you can definitely see where he got concussed. Mm-hmm. And then to the WWE's point of view, you can see where the doctors are talking to him on the side of the ring. Right. So if he elected to not leave the match, mm-hmm. that's on him completely. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll we'll never really know what was said in that corner, but it sure seems like, like you said, they were trying to help him. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also another thing where, you know, CM Punk was scheduled to go to a follow-up for his lump and then didn't go to the follow-up. So, you know, how can you sit there and say that, you know, WWE was, that the doctors weren't taking things seriously when you weren't taking it seriously? Um, but I'm sure that right. once once this whole thing wraps up, we'll have a little bit more of a clear picture on on what uh, what is kind of transpiring here, and we'll get more into it. And of course, Jason will give his thoughts next week on it. I'm sure. <laughs> so, last thing I do want to point out is is the timing of this couldn't be better or worse. 
Uh, Punk's got a UFC fight coming up in a month, and in addition to that, he is scheduled to appear at StarCast uh, the day before All In. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course there were there was some talk of possibly having him maybe not wrestle a match at All In, but maybe appear at the event. Um, so... You know, we'll we'll see what happens there, but a lot of lot of buzz on him, and I'm sure that that's helping some of the ticket sales for All In as well uh, to have exactly. to have CM Punk attached to that. And um, you know, again, more more power to Cody and the Bucks and and everyone involved with that. Um, that's that's a phenomenal thing that they were able to put together there. And uh, but we talked about that last week, so let's get back to the shit. Uh, so <laughs> we had I'm I'm going to. If you couldn't tell, I'm backloading this to to lead up to our main event. Um, so let's talk about something that actually was kind of decent. Was uh, Seth Rollins had a match with Jinder Mahal, and it was a match. <laughs> and uh, you know Rollins continues to do a really good job. Jinder is is kind of a lead weight you have to drag up with you. Uh, but Elias uh, interfered, leading to the disqualification, and we have a match booked: Elias versus Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank for the IC Championship. Oh, that has officially been booked. Yes. Okay. So, first, I want to say about Rollins versus Jinder: best match Jinder's had in months. And I understand that you weren't going to pull that kind of match out of Randy Orton, but still, mm-hmm. let's let's give Seth the credit he deserves. He has been just on fire, and he's the ov- most over fucking face in the company. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I am interested to see where they go with this Elias thing because Elias has been. Definitely gaining some momentum. He's been he's been over with the crowd. He's been putting in some good work. Do they give him the IC title this quick? I wouldn't even call it this quick at this point. Elias has been around the block for a little bit here, um, so I I wouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, the issue, of course, is that Seth is hot, and be, right. because of the fact that there's no actual champion on Raw, that you kind of need to continue to have a top guy be. You know, be the IC IC champion in order to kind of propel. You know, be a main title on that brand. Um, and uh, uh, as much as we like Elias, he's not that at that point yet. So, right. um, it would be it would be tough for me, um, honestly, to see it. Uh, the only way that I see it going any differently, of course, is is if after Rollins, if Rollins were to drop the IC belt and Money in the Bank, he then would get a Universal Championship match at whatever the fuck pay per view we have next. So. Uh, I, I will say this. They've been looking for a babyface to lead the company. Um, and it hasn't worked with Reigns, and they're not sure what they want to do with Braun. If you have Elias cheat to win the IC title, and then you put Seth on a path to Brock, it could work, and it could work huge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's faced every other S.H.I.E.L.D. member, so might as well, t- <laughs> might as well take the last one on. That's true. Uh, you know, technically he has faced Seth Rollins before, just not in a one-on-one match, of course. Um, no, it was a one-on-one match. But then Brock made Seth disappear because the Undertaker showed up. Or Undertaker made Seth disappear? I don't know. Somebody vanished. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they didn't They didn't finish that match. But yes, uh, no, that uh, that was Undertaker in a Seth Rollins suit. So that doesn't really count. <laughs> uh, not not sure how he was able to shrink himself down to that size, but he's, he's, a, you know, he's a phenom. So. There you go. Oh, that's right. Uh, over on SmackDown, uh, Samoa Joe 
as we as I predicted last week, and fuck Jason because he's not here. Uh, qualified for the Money in the Bank match, becoming coming the last person to qualify for the match uh, by defeating Daniel Bryan with a little help from Big E. Uh, ooh, jeez, from Big Cass. Hey, there's 15 guys in the company with the first name of Big. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, Big Cass got involved again, and of course this this is leading to Big Cass versus Daniel Bryan two at Money in the Bank. But the bigger news, of course, is that Samoa Joe is now has a chance to be money in the bank. So as good as um, Seth has been on Raw, I feel like Joe is starting to become that good on SmackDown. Not obviously he's great in ring, but but Joe's getting hot, and I I think he needs to win Money in the Bank. There's only one other person that I can see winning it, uh, but right now I'd have no problem if Joe won it. Yeah, there you go. Um, personally, I I kind of see it as um, as as a SmackDown man and a Raw woman winning, um, just kind of in terms of where everyone is lying right now. Um, but I could could go either way on that. Honestly, I mean, you could make the case for you know some of the some of the Raw contenders as that as well. Uh, you could also make a case for Big E winning it, which looks like he's probably going to be the the member of New Day that's going to be in that match. But we're not probably not going to hear about which member they choose until the actual event. So. Which is fine. It, at that point, if they want to announce it, you know, as they're doing their entrance, theoretically, any one of them could go in there and make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Kofi's got his history in ladder matches. Biggie's uh, prime for a breakout singles role, and you know, Xavier's been getting a lot of good in-ring time recently. So, I'd have no problem with either one of them or any of the three of them going in, but they're not going to win. I promise you. That. <laughs> Probably not, um, you know, but, you know, it, it'd be nice to kind of get a jumpstart a singles career for Big E, who, uh, personally, I think that Xavier is the one who who deserves a, a push as a singles guy. Big E kind of had his chance before. Not to say... Sure, he was in a Conal champion. Yeah, not to say he'll never get a chance again, because I think he's very talented. Um, I just think that it's time for the New Day to do separate things. Not break up, but do separate things, because the whole fucking pancake bullshit is really just annoying at this point. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing for lo- left for them to do in the tag team division. Just, you know, set them on different paths. Kind of like what they <clears> did with the Shield originally. Yeah, exactly. Um, now for for the portion of our Perfect Ten where we talk about uh, nice things. Uh, like Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy having a phenomenal fucking match on 205 Live. It was great. Did you get a chance to see it? Yes, I did. Um, you know, this was this was something that we've been kind of building to with, with Buddy Murphy. Um, you know, he has done a great job since, since coming up, you know, they, they stalled him for a little bit because they didn't want to have him, you know, go for the championship right away by doing the whole, he didn't make weight thing. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, the only thing I wish is that maybe buddy would have won, (laughs) you know, but I, I understand it. You know, he's, he's got, uh, they can continue to build him up and have him come back and, and win it again. Or, you know, actually win the championship for the first time, I mean. Uh, but obviously they're trying to get Cedric over as as the face of 205 Live right now. Yeah, I don't know why it took two years, but this is what 205 Live should have been from the beginning. Right, yeah. And it, you, maybe it's TJ Perkins' fault because he had no fucking personality whatsoever. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
this was a great match. It was nice to see the crowd get behind Cedric. I know it was his hometown. That's fine. I'll take it any way I can get mm-hmm. it. Because there's been a lot of episodes of 205 where the crowd is just like, can we hurry this shit along because you promised me AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan. So, right. Um, it's nice that he actually did get that reaction. The fans were into it. I thought they put on a great match. Um, the story they told with Cedric's back in that match and then the finish was fucking perfect. There's a perfect 10. Ooh. Uh, yeah, you know, part of the issue, I think, with 205 Live was they didn't know what, what to do with it at first, and that's why you had people like PJ Twerkins as your champion and, um, you know, Brian Kendrick, who at that point, who really gave a shit. Uh, when they started to get into things, I mean, Neville was was doing really good things over there, then he quit. Um, you know, Enzo Amore then as kind of the focal point was we're, we're bringing more people in, but it still it, it still wasn't what the show needed to be. Um, obviously, you know, Rich Swan decided to go beat his wife and, uh, you know, Cedric being the focal point as a guy who's just a really good wrestler um, who also also can tell a story, I think is is great. Um, and uh, it, it, I, you said before we were, we recorded that you're watching uh, NXT. I hope you saw ricochet's little front flip landing on his feet onto the fucking ramp just just letting you know like if they put him on 205 live forget it like i'll uh, that'll be that'll be must watch tv every fucking week it will i kind of hope they don't he's much bigger yeah than 205 live this is a guy who come in the night after wrestlemania and set the wrestling world on fire on raw yeah um but yeah to your point i did see that and what I thought was nice is that Ricochet landed right in front of the Velveteen Dream yeah. and was right up against the mic and was like, prove it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, you just couldn't have hit that mark any, any cleaner. And he just uh, continuing to show that, like, this guy is the real fucking deal, man. Like, he's, I mean, both of those guys in that feud. That's why it's one of the best feuds on t- on WWE TV right now because both guys are incredibly talented and and they've got you know great characters. They don't have great T-shirts, but that's because WWE doesn't know how to make a T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> You're talking about Ricochet and the Velveteen Dream. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my my only issue with it is I feel like Velveteen Dream is going to get put in this position of kind of like Baron Corbin was at one point, where he's just getting new guys over. I can't picture a scenario where Ricochet loses his first singles match at a takeover. No, and that's and the good thing is is that obviously uh, Patrick Clark is still very young, and yes. and you know he they can at any point in time you know propel him up to the main event on that show. Uh, whereas Baron Corbin, I don't think was a guy that people wanted to see in the main event. So <laughs> no, and uh, I agree with that. And, I, and that's my own, that was my uh, fail save is that Patrick Clark is still very young in this business. He's got a great future. So whatever he's doing now is just going to help him as he gets older. Yeah. Uh, Ricochet, do you believe? So I saw that match with Ricochet versus Dijak. Big ups to Dijak, by the way. And. You've watched Ricochet on the Indies. You've watched him in Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. He's toned it down. He's phenomenal, but he's toned it down compared to what he was doing in Lucha Underground. Well, that's that's always going to be the case when you got guys coming to WWE because they they need to wrestle a safer style. And the way that Ricochet wrestled in Lucha Underground on the Indies, maybe not the safest. Um, right. So I, I don't have a problem with it because he's still doing really good things. And... 
he's also focusing now more on the storytelling within the match instead of just doing just being a spot monkey which can kind of happen in the indies sometimes because you know there is a difference between independent wrestling and WWE wrestling obviously there's a different polish to it there's there's you know you can have amazing matches on the indies i'm not saying you can't there there's been amazing matches on the indies but the thing is is that oftentimes independent workers may get hurt some more and also you know they're they're going to be playing to a different crowd every week as well so there's a different mentality on that where it's let's let's leave you know the guys going let's leave the crowd going home remembering my match whereas now ricochet can go out there and being like people can you know fire up the wb network and watch my match at any point in time now and I need to still tell a prolonged story here. You know, they 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 have a few that's building up here, which we'll probably see. You know, them face each other at the next takeover. Uh, whereas, you know, I mean, yeah, Lucha Underground did kind of play up storylines and stuff like that. But you know, Ricochet, you know, wrestling for PWG or anything like that, he's not going to have a prolonged story storyline with anybody. He's just going to be facing whoever they threw at him that night. So um, yeah, it would be a one spot night or a one night thing. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with with his change. Um, we've seen all of them go through it, but they can, you know, it's it makes it more special then when they do certain things. You know, yeah, Kevin Owens toned it down when he got to the WB, but then when he takes a gigantic back body drop onto a ladder and looks like he's folded in half, it makes it that much more special because he's not doing it every night. That's true. So no, and I don't, I'm not criticizing Ricochet. I think it's a it's a credit to him that he can do that so seamlessly. Yeah, because we've seen other guys who have not been able to, like Hideo Itami, you know, who just <laughs> took him a long time and still not quite there. So and Shinsuke a little bit too. I mean, uh, Shinsuke, I still think was maybe a little lazy in NXT. Well, but he still managed to uh, knock Austin Aries' no, eye out of his socket. That's true. He did injure a lot of fucking guys. Uh, he also he also destroyed the revival's chances of making it in the WWE as too. So, um, <laughs> good point. but you know, um, so I'm not. Sh- I I think that we can talk about this next one, and I think it needs to happen before we get into our last three. <laughs> but uh, yes. Eric Anthony, formerly known as Enzo Mori, now known as the rapper Real One, decided to make a a little ditty. Uh, called Phoenix, <laughs> in which he may have mentioned uh, his his court proceedings that maybe happened or his allegations against him. Uh, well, let's just say it. he called out the Phoenix bitch who ruined his reputation. Right. Uh, so the song itself, uh, I'm 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 a rap fan. I've I've listened to rap for a long time. Um, I'm not always that big on on the style of rap that he's doing here. Uh, but I'm a really big fan of rap, rapping for a reason, a ra- you know, a rap song that tells a story. And this one is fucking full of it. It's full of heart. It's full of exactly what's going on in this dude's life. You know, he has been proven to be innocent. And, you know, as, as he said in the song, the only, the only thing he put in that pudding was proof. Uh, so, <laughs> and of course my favorite line, uh, gripping my consensual penis, uh, <laughs> So if if this song was just him saying like yeah this this chick got her 15 minutes of fame fuck her and everything like that I'd be like okay that's fine get it off your chest or like that but then the last verse of the song he proceeds to to shout out the fact that like 
this whole thing hurts the Me Too moment, movement and the women's revolution, and he stands by anyone who was really accused. And I was like, whoa, well, like, we just got real here in the middle of the song talking about it. Well, it was a nice, it, it was a nice touch because it, anybody can put out a diss track, but, but he made some valid points uh, at the end of that song where, yeah, like you said, he was talking about some real shit. Yeah. <clears throat> and I give him all the credit in the world because so many people criticized him, uh, you know, convicted him in the court of public opinion. Um, and to a lot of people, he was dead to rights. He was he was gone from the WWE, and he was being accused of this uh, crime, and people just wrote him off. So for him to come back now, whatever he does, whether he pursues a career as a rapper or he's the latest signee to, to Impact Wrestling, uh, I wish him the best. I think he's got all the talent in the world, and I still find him very entertaining. Yeah, and uh, you know, a special shout out to What's NXT for having one of their hosts be in the in the beginning of that video. So really, really oh. cool, cool, cool on there. Uh, and also, of course, for getting shouted out in the song uh, as being dumb marks who can suck his dick. So. <laughs> right you know but yeah i was i was a big fan of the of of the uh of the song itself and uh if he continues down this this path i'm cool with it because i think uh, he's always had a lot of talent you know i listen to him freestyle on peter rosenberg's you know uh radio show or like that and he's he's really good um he's a he's a very smart rapper as well obviously you know uh the video too for it was (laughs) was a lot of fun as well you know him him pulling out a casket and putting dead bitch on it and things like that and riding around and uh, obviously the beginning kind of making fun of the the wrestling marks who instantly told him uh, you know said oh this guy's fucking guilty and blah 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 you know and uh oh that was great yeah. with the cheetos and everything <laughs> on top of, yeah all over this shirt and hands yeah. maybe some low-hanging fruit but that's fine because you know what you know a lot of wrestling fans you know attacked him i'm happy to say me and jason were not one of them and you know, right. we we uh, you know there's proof uh, we have we have some some proof as well you know because we've got past shows where we talked when we first talked about it and this kind of led to our feud with what's nxt who instantly vilified him uh and mm-hmm. and kind of showed the difference of things so we said ah you know what we're we're getting all kinds of th- all sides on things here and it sounds like maybe this didn't happen and it didn't happen so uh <laughs> You know, and whereas a lot of other people were like, "Oh, allegations! He's fucking done. He's he's a, ra- a d- dirty rapist and like that." And as an, yeah. as as real one said, "I ain't Bill Cosby, bitch." So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and since I haven't been on the podcast in a while, I did want to address something very quickly. Mm-hmm. Fuck what's NXT? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> They, they don't listen to us, but you know what? Nobody listens to them, so there you go. There you go. All right, so now we're going to, to talk a little bit. I'm just going to go ahead and roll all of these ones into one big thing here because uh, we're going to talk about women's wrestling here. And um, I'm going to start things off with with talking about Sasha Banks was the last person that uh, that joined the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And she, she won a a 15-minute gauntlet match. Mm. And any time, so the men got two fucking hours for a gauntlet match. The women get fifteen minutes, and any which I'm not saying the men. I don't think either of us are saying the, the women should get two hours. No, but the, the, this could have been an entire hour, or at the very least, a half hour. 
because when you when you minutes, yeah, yeah when you do 15 minutes and you've got what was it six eight women in the match you're punking out your own women because none of a, mm-hmm. none of them can last very long then you know you you have to focus on one potentially to to win a couple of them in a row there just to give give somebody the rub um, they they sort of tried with Ruby Wright, but again, I mean, when you've got eliminations happening after three minutes in a match, it's because you didn't give them enough time. It it starts to make your you know your roster look weak. Um, and then to turn around and just ditch the Sasha Banks Bailey feud by having them not even being anywhere near each other in this match just continues to show the the issue that uh, that we continue to have with women's wrestling in in WWE where the writers just don't care about it. And it's, I, I don't get it. I don't get why, why this gauntlet match was where it was on, on the show and done the way it was done. Orale, Vato. Let me speak on this because this whole segment pissed me off to no end. You began the match before the bell even rang. You had an interview with Charlie Caruso and Bailey, in which not only did they talk to Bailey about her chances in the gauntlet match, they brought up Sasha Banks. And then you proceed to job out Liv Morgan, and I get it, she's not the most polished, accomplished wrestler yet, but you literally made her look like a friggin' joke. As well as uh, Sarah Logan. She didn't have much offense either. But then you started to build Ruby Riot, and here's here's where my where my frustration really goes nuts is because if you switch some things in this match, you could have had Sasha start off the night in Bailey's spot. You could have had the same type of flow of the match. And you have Riot at the end against Bailey. And in my opinion, then you have Sasha come out and cost Bailey the match so that Riot is made. She literally beat four or five women to qualify for Money in the Bank. And her and her Riot, Riot Squad are part of Money in the Bank now. And then you, you finally have, have culminated the Bailey Sasha feud into something that could be worth it. And instead, you did none of that. Sasha got a lukewarm reaction at best because nobody even knows if she's a face or a heel anymore. And everybody else in that match looks like a jobber. I mean, I don't claim to be a booker. I've never booked a wrestling angle. But come on, it's right there on the table for you. How can you not take advantage of having Sasha and Bailey's feud actually go someplace and giving Riot that spot in the money in the bank? Yeah. I agree on that. I don't see, unless unless your plan is to have Sasha win it, I don't see why, you know, she's the one who gets, uh, who who gets involved in this match. Um, you know, we I kind of spoke on it last week about how upset I was over the fact that we continue to have, um, you know, some of the older guard in the Money in the Bank match while we're kind of jabbing out our our new crop of talent there. Um, and again, there it is again. The entirety of Riot Squad and the entirety of Absolution, both teams are just fucked. And you know, we had an opportunity here when we when we started off these things with with the Riot family and, and Absolution to have a shield type run with these guys, or or at least a, a a strong faction. And they just 
you know, continue just to be fed to the big main stars instead of building up the stars. And, you know, that they, they could have, they could have evolved. And instead, like, how are you going to get Liv Morgan over if it's just, she just loses every time she goes out there or Sarah Logan, if she just goes out there and just fucking jobs, you know, you, you tried a little bit with Ruby, Wright, But she's still, she's still going to be sitting on the sidelines at the pay-per-view. So, yep. And now Ruby comes off as the, the person who comes close but never really actually accomplishes anything. Yeah. I mean, you've already told that story twice, once against Charlotte and now in this match. Yeah. So, uh, but I guess that kind of pales into comparison to what SmackDown decided to do with two of their women as Lana and Naomi had a dance-off. 2018, hashtag women's revolution, hashtag dance-off. And yeah, this was exactly what it sounded like. It was a, the, the two of them danced for a little bit because, you know, you know, here's another dancing black chick, and oh, here's a chick who we used to have as a dancer for a little bit. So, I guess we're gonna continue to pretend that she could dance. Uh, and then, and then it just broke down into a six-person tag match, which you know, there, there's, you don't see this kind of shit with the men anymore. You know, unless unless a character is specifically a dancer like Disco Inferno, and he was gonna have a dance off or some of that, or Fandango, you don't right. You're not. You're, they're they're not sitting there going, okay. Well, we need to get, we need to get the shield to take on the Miztourage. Let's have the Miz challenge Roman Reigns to a dance off, and then it's just going to break down into it. <laughs> uh, but and I I get what you're saying, but there definitely have been times where you know the New Day and the Usos have kind of gone down that road, and and I understand it's a little bit different. Um, and I will say this: there is a spot on a card for all types of different women's wrestling. So if you have your SmackDown roster that has Charlotte and has Asuka and has women that can actually go, I don't mind terribly having kind of like a Curtis Axel spot for somebody like Lana. Um, but I, I will agree with you that it, it 2018, it didn't make much sense to have a dance-off. I did appreciate the very last part of that dance-off when Lana grabbed her and hit her with a neckbreaker. Yeah. Uh, but the issue there, of course, is that Lana's not a dancer. Like right. Naomi's character is, I danced to the ring. That's how I got over. That's how I got it. Got you know a championship belt put on me for a while. Lana is a manager, who you know I guess you know it would have made more sense if they would have put you know Naomi against like Carmella who moonwalks. That's an actual yeah, dance no, thing, true. you know? But instead, they're just like, uh, uh, well, we fired the chick that used to dance, <laughs> and we fired the other chick that danced, and then we also fired that other chick that danced for a while, too. So who can we... Oh, Lana. Lana's still around here. She's a dancer, right? You, she's not? Okay, well, can she pretend to dance? Oh, she can. Well, they she tried can. to okay. play it up on commentary. They were like, oh, she's been part of the... Something, something, cheer squad. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, Carmella was a former Laker girl, you know, so again, that's, you know, the dancing background. You know, Alexa Bliss was a cheerleader that's not really dancing, um, but whatever, no. you know. But like I said, most of the other ones that you had that were dancing, like Rosa Mendez and Summer Rae and stuff like that, you fired. So, <laughs> 
I guess you I guess you make do with what you got. <laughs> I guess so. so uh, and that kind of kind of brings us into our our main event here, uh, as we're talking about the current state of women's wrestling all around the world here. Uh, and me personally, you know, yes, WWE has a lot of the the really a lot of really good talent, um, but they still. They still can't fully commit on having a roster of just talented women because they 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 still need to have their good looking swimsuit models and stuff like that and and you know feel the need to to push them. I mean Lana is an actress and she continues to get you know wrestling matches here. Um, you know, at least you know say what you will about Carmella, but she is a second generation wrestler, and you know. You know, you look at, at some of the other people, they, they've, they've gotten obviously much better. Uh, but I look at, you know, look to the independents where you've got, you know, and WB keeps poaching the talent, but Shimmer and Shine are two, you know, women's only promotions that continue to put on, you know, good good wrestling. And they do a very good job of having a diverse cast of people too, where, yes, they're going to have some people who are not as good of wrestlers, but maybe better, better uh, you know, on the mic or something you know things like that um aaw um you know stardom over in japan as well which is where io uh, shirai is coming from um she was a, a multi-time champion over there and and kind of the face of the franchise over there uh and obviously the women's revolution in america has begun to to kind of push into some of these other uh independents as well where they have to do more than just you know, hire Mademoiselle Rochelle for, so she can go out there and look stupid. So you've got Ring of Honor now starting up their Women of Honor, um, but they don't seem to know how to book them either. So, so uh, one thing I will say about the WWE is is they've done a great job, kind of similar to the way they've treated the men on the independents of acquiring talented wrestlers. Um, they certainly have acquired some of the better women's wrestlers in the world. And they'll stick them in NXT, and they'll do pretty good things there. And as soon as they come up, Vince will have nothing for them. Um, and that seems to be the case with a lot of NXT talent, not just the women. But my one of my biggest issues is back in, what, 2016, maybe even 2015, you started forming this so-called women's revolution and as far as character development where have you gone since then because you started with three three women groups and that seems like that's all we're doing now we're doing three women groups we're doing dance-offs we're doing occasionally you'll get like a charlotte versus oscar which was great at wrestlemania but then you didn't follow it up with anything. And now, because you spent so much time on Asuka's streak, she's also just another person on the roster. Right. And I will agree with you that there are a lot of companies that have turned that corner. Um, and I, I give credit to ROH for trying. And they've been trying for a while. That women, women, women of Honor division has been a thing for at least two years now before they actually crowned a champion. Um. I will want to point out one thing in this country, and that is Impact Wrestling. They are doing some things over there that I know a lot of people aren't aware of, but they've always been at the forefront of women's wrestling. You know, they, they were the ones that really put on that work rate back in 2008. And what I've been watching on Impact Wrestling is there's a character on there called um, 
Sue Young, mm-hmm. the undead bride. Right. And they've put her in a storyline with Rosemary because it makes sense. Yep. Um, and they did this this video where they buried or they stuffed Rosemary in a casket, Sue Young and all her undead bride followers, and then they set it on fire. And I know that there's some people who host this podcast that probably thinks it was hokey. But I will say, when was the last time that you ever saw WWE put that type of money in production into a women's story storyline? Yeah, I I agree that they, you know, the whole the knockouts division really was something that uh, that helped out, you know, the the WWE women's revolution as well because they needed to start focusing a little bit more and they start needed to get better better wrestlers around them. Um, but. You know, the other thing, too, is, is Impact Wrestling, while they have been doing a, a good job on um, on that, they also still employ some people who maybe are not as good or, or aren't using people to their ability. I mean, they, they brought in Cherry Bomb and, and her character was literally a chick that can't wrestle when she's an incredibly good wrestler. And that's that's a, a, a terrible thing to do to i mean they call her Allie over there but that's a terrible thing to do to somebody who has a lot of talent on that is to just turn around and be like oh this is a chick that can't wrestle so right. but so so they you know they they have their own kind of issue as well on that on that but um and they've had some questionable champions as well in the past <laughs> you know um, that's true but when you look at their roster now it's loaded with talent i mean you got taya valkyrie you got kira jordan um, Kara Hogan, mm-hmm. forgive me. Uh, still got Madison Rain, like kind of trying to put people over there, and then they just signed Tessa Blanchard. So right. they're doing what they can, and I understand they're they're still going to make mistakes. The impact's still going to impact. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because we are going to be getting the second May Young Classic tournament this summer, and I'm interested to see a who's who they're going to have in it. And and be who they're gonna have win because you can argue they really didn't do that much with Kyrie Sane, right? And I mean the the jury's still kind of out on her, but um, you know that I'm I'm with you on that. I mean the the first Mayan Classic did a really good job on um, you know being its own separate entity, uh, you know showcasing a lot of a lot of the women. They still kind of fell into the same issues that. Uh, that the Cruiserweight Classic fell into where everyone was still just kind of like faces and they didn't really have them any bad guys or anything like that, which I think that you need to have this time around. Um, but also, uh, you know, there there's a considerable amount of talent out there who I think would be good to have in there, but they need to sign more of the women from the Mae Young Classic than this time too because, you know, they of, of last year's one, they signed, what, two, three of them? And there was so much talent around there. They're, they're still kind of floating around and sometimes available, but, yeah. I, mean, I think they signed a good six or seven of them. I mean, you have Lacey Evans. You have Bianca Belair. Um, obviously, you have Kyrie Sane, who was signed before that. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, Shayna Baszler was brought in from that, you know, as far as exposure goes. It, yeah, it would definitely be great if they could sign more this year. Um, I'm hoping, I think I did hear actually that Santana Garrett and Deanna Perrazzo are coming back to NXT on actual full-time contracts now. So those are two really talented girls. Right. And it's definitely credit. But you know what? The the other problem too, and and these girls will get a shot at NXT. They may even, they may even be, be, 
be booked correctly in NXT, but then once they get up to the main roster, nobody knows what the fuck to do with them. Right. Nobody knows how to write for them. Nobody knows how to have compelling, long, drawn-out storylines anymore. Yeah, and that that's always going to be the issue is that uh, you know the the main roster still doesn't take women seriously, and the the writers there still are a bunch of you know largely a bunch of dudes, uh, and it's still a guy that runs a company that you know would rather the women go out there topless than actually wrestle. Um, so that is going to continue to be the issue is that you know once they get up there, you know you've got characters like Bailey's character that gets destroyed because they just don't know what how to write for her. Um, the booking on it just gets kind of fucked over and, and you know, they, they turn around and go, ah, well, you know, okay, well, we got to take the title off of, of Alexa and let's put it on, on Nia Jax because we got to be body positive on things, but we're not going to book it the correct way. We're just going to make her. And then she's, you know, and then bitches be crazy. She's back to being a bad guy again. So <laughs> and that's the other thing too, for the four horsewomen that came up from NXT, uh, yeah, they all won the title. But the only one that, that in my mind, feels made is Charlotte. Bailey, Bailey hasn't won a title. Bailey's won a title. Bailey beat Charlotte for the title. <laughs> and then she had it for all of two months That's before she lost it to Alexa Bliss. That is exactly how much I remember about Bailey. because <laughs> yeah, they fucked it up. I mean, you had four girls that were over as fuck. Becky's doing nothing on SmackDown. She's one of the most talented women in the world. Uh, Bailey's character was fucked up from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And Sasha has been really recently going back and forth between being a heel and being a face. They don't know what the fuck to do with this girl anymore. Right. And, you know, we also look at uh, at people like Emma getting kind of wasted on, on the roster there after, you know, her run. Um <sighs> Let me ask you this. Where, where does... Because they, they have a chance not to fuck this up, and that's Ronda Rousey. Where does she fit into this whole women's revolution, state of the women's wrestling in WWE, especially with the eyes that she brings? I think the the issue, of course, is that she's going to be the focal point of it. And she, I don't feel, has paid her wrestling dues to be that focal point. Now... You know, her versus Nia Jax is not going to convince anybody that women's wrestling is something that they should tune into because it's Nia Jax. Um, but her, if she takes on somebody like Charlotte or Sasha or, or Bailey, and they're able to actually do a really good technical match with each other, then I think that helps. But it's it's Ronda. She's very new. Uh, and while she did a really good job in, in her match, you know, it... it She's not somebody who can go out every night and perform like that because her matches need to be incredibly scripted. They need to be, you know, kind of rehearsed and run through. She's not somebody that's going to be able to really do things on the fly because she just doesn't have that that uh, uh, experience. And putting her with somebody who's as inexperienced as Naya, like I said, is a big fucking mistake. Yeah, um, that I agree with. Um, yeah, I'm actually kind of hoping, and I know a lot of people would be pissed, but I really wouldn't mind if the match didn't happen. If they did some type of screw thing at the you know beginning of the match, well, because like you said, two really green, inexperienced workers going out there for your women's title is not a good look. Well, let's let's not forget. I mean, um, we don't know the match order at Money in the Bank, and right. so you could easily have something happen like you know one of the the Raw women win the Money in the Bank, 
and cash in, beat the shit out of Ronda, beat the shit out of Nia Jax, and, and you know, pin Nia and walk out of there with a championship and not have a match go down at all. You know, so there there's a lot of there are ways that they can ripcord out of this. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the match is going to happen. Um, but like you said, I mean, that's that's going to be the issue here is that the bell's got bell has to ring. And um, like I said, if it was with somebody else, somebody else who you know can actually put on a, on a good match, someone else who's a ring general, then I think you have no problem. I think it helps a lot. But I think this might hurt it a little bit because if they go out there and have a terrible match, then just, it's just going to be one of those cases of like, well, you know, who fuck cares? It's just round of play fighting. So why should I bother watching the women anymore? Yeah, speaking of which, re- remember when Ronda first came in at the Royal Rumble? And then the next time she appeared on TV, there was a couple of boos, like, kind of scattered. Because she was, like, smiling and just kind of took the spotlight from Asuka winning the ro- Women's Royal Rumble. Um, if she goes out there, Money in the Bank, and if if she has a dog shit match with Nia Jax, which is very much a possibility, it could do miles of damage to her character. Yeah, yeah, and and it could completely destroy any of that equity that she built up from her match uh, with with Angle and Triple H and Stephanie. Yeah, um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, the build up to that match wasn't good. The build up to this match hasn't been good. So it's if if this match, you know, stinks, then why why should we think that there's going to be a better match down the line there? So and they need they need to work on how they book her. They need to work on on having a better build to a Ronda match than what what we've been seeing here. Yeah, and they're already they're already starting, you know, kind of behind the eight ball because next week Nia Jax will take on her best friend Natalia. And I just can see all types of ways of that going wrong. Oh, my favorite person, Natalia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rundown zone, Natalia. Yep. Um, oh, and by the way, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, you were getting sick of the old guard taking, like, the spotlight from, like, the newer wrestlers, which is which is funny because there is one person from the old guard that is doing exactly what she needs to do with the younger wrestlers, and that's Mickey James. Mm-hmm. Mickey James, who is far far more talented on the mic in the ring and in life than natalia is and yet she's the one doing jobs every week which is fine because she, you know that's what she is she's a veteran she's brought in there she's brought in there to help the younger wrestlers but then you got like natalia going over it's just mind-boggling yeah <laughs> yeah i don't get it but you know it is what it is. So, I think that uh, we are ready to move on to our independent dates. And so that I'm not talking for 20 minutes here, I'm going to have you go ahead and start things off uh, by talking about Elkmania product Promotions. Elkmania Promotions presents the North Shore Rumble on June 2nd, a family-friendly pro wrestling fundraiser for the Tools for Schools program. Which donates school supplies to Salem students in need. The event will take place at the Beverly Salem Lodge of Elks in Beverly, Massachusetts. Doors open at 6.30 with a bell time of 7. Tickets will be on sale for $10 in advance and $12 at the door. For announcements regarding ticket sales, check the Elkmania Promotions page. Already announced, the Middlesex Express, Stephen Broad and Stephen Lust will defend the New England Tag Team titles against the team of the Bay State Champions, 
Derek Simonetti, and newly crowned All-Star champion Insane Dick Lane. The former Bay State champion Bitter Buddy Romano returns to Elk Mania on June 2nd as he goes 101 with the heavy hitter Shea Cash. Foxy Vineyard, as seen on Ring of Honor TV versus the unequaled one Todd Sopel. And the ace Mike Montero versus the freak show Sean Later. There's more. 30 competitors will compete in this year's North Shore Rumble. The winner will receive a championship match of their choice at Elkmania 6. So far, the entrants are the bitter buddy, butter, bitter, butter, buddy Romano, <laughs> the heavy hitter Shea Cash, the unequaled one Todd Sobel, the ace Mike Montero, Tony the Tuna, the freak show Sean Leader, Kevin Giles, Big Bear May Touch, Matooch, Matooch, whatever, and tough talk Tony Spencer. It doesn't matter. All right, see the stars of Bruce Lee Wrestling in action at the Newburgh Fireman's Picnic on Saturday, June 2nd, starting at 2 p.m. This is a free show under the Big Tent. There will be games, food, rides, and a magician, and many other great events. Check out their page, newburghfirerescue.com slash picnic. Already signed the Bruce City Wrestling Women's Champion, Lena DeOro will take on the Midwest Slayer, Stacey Shadows, and Blue Phoenix, Vanessa Azure, in a triple threat match. Tyler Sullivan will take on Lou Zur. The Caribbean Connection will also will take on the Manservant Baxter and Demented Chucky Bates. And finally, Brandon Blaze takes on Roadhouse James Vincent. Go to BruceCityWrestling1.com for more information and more fan demonium matches will be announced soon. Like them on Twitter at, or follow them on Twitter at BCW1. Also on Instagram at Bruce City Wrestling and Facebook at Bruce City Wrestling. ICW returns with Summer Slaughter on June 10th at the La Pica Lounge with a 4 p.m. bell time. Doors open at 3.30. Ringside tickets are $15. The main event will see a Thumbtack Massacre match for the ICW alternative title as the high-class villain Mo Foley takes on Plaguebringer Marcus Crane. A fans bring the match weapons match will take place between the high-class villain Pitstain and Dysfunction. The ICW world title will be on the line in an open challenge from Psycho Chase McCoy. The ICW tag team titles will be on the line as Special Forces Corporal Robertson and Blazin' Benjamin takes on Shoots and Wanderers Scott Marciano and AC Riley Shooter with Jason J. The ICW Midwest title will also be defended as the Marman Mario and Andrew Cravello with, with Dana Adiva. There's too many, like, same syllables in there. We'll take on yeah. Mason. <laughs> A rematch from the 520 show as Fabled One Aesop Mitchell takes on Derek St. Holmes. Evil Shadows 2.0 returns and will take on Resort Life Captain Spicoli, Da de, de La Sexy Sambra, and Johnny Swashbuckle. Straight Hatred Cato and Jack Blackwell with Miss Hatred take on Bear Kingdom Juan Hernandez and Oso Turco. And in the pre show match, Simon Says takes on Pitbull Zach McGuire and Tyler Sunday in a triple threat match. Not to interrupt you. Uh huh. But Straight Hatred Cato. Mm hmm. Isn't that the guy who was like the roommate of, of Ron Goldman back in the OJ trial? Cato Kalen? Yeah. I can see him being straight hatred now. I think he's dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. Anyways. The stars of Bruce City Wrestling return to the Elks Lodge in Waukesha, Wisconsin on Friday, June 29th. Bell time is 7.30. Doors up at a 6.45. Tickets are $20 reserved ringside or $16 advance. Purchased via PayPal on BruceCityWrestling1.com or $18 at the door. Then stay at the Elks Lodge for the after party. Tickets will go on sale tomorrow, June 1st. 
Already signed Bruce City Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship triple threat matches. Tokyo Monster Kahagas with Kevin Sullivan takes on High Octane Onyx Andretti and Max Holiday. The Bruce City Wrestling Women's Champion Lena DeOro takes on Blue Phoenix, Phoenix Vanessa Azor. And more Phantom Money matches will be announced soon. Go to BruceCityWrestling1.com for more information. And that does it for the rundown for this Thursday, Bray 31st. And I have nothing more to say about that. <laughs> like us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Go to Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Email the show like Jeffrey did via RundownWrestling at gmail.com. And Jeffrey's email that we got, uh, I was incredibly pleased with it, uh, states, Jason and Troy, best episode ever. In tears listening to you and your issues with Natalia and Stephanie. Fucking hilarious. Thanks, Jeff from Massachusetts. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, leave us a voicemail like Sal did, but we didn't need to play it at 617-863-6967 at 61rundown7. We are now on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. Currently, there are two reward levels. The Rundowner, which for $5 a month, grants you one patron only episode of The Rundown, and Rundown Mania, which for $10 a month, grants you a guest hosting spot on any of our Rundown shows. All patrons will also receive early access to shows on the Rundown feed. Listen to a friends of Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing with new podcasts every Monday. Go to facebook.com slash the WPAN or the WPAN.com for more. Check out a friend Justin Michaels on the show Yes Alan Waltz on Tough TV. Go to toughtv.com to stream it live. And stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear our other shows, NXT Revisited, The Rundown Sit Down, Glow Stick, The Nitromania Podcast, and WrestleMania Salvation. So let's uh, uh, which which uh, what's the next WrestleMania that you're covering there, Sal? WrestleMania Salvation will be covering WrestleMania 15 from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Was it as bad as everybody remembers? Eh, we'll see. I guarantee you'll enjoy the episode. Awesome. And uh, uh, where can you find the show on Twitter? At WrestleMania Sal. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> not at Salmania Taz, not at WrestleMania Taz, not at the Taz show. It's at WrestleMania Sale. Oh, well, there you go. See, you come on the show and you get to actually pimp your own to own Twitter. Uh, you can uh, like me uh, or follow me at Rockstar Troy. Follow Jason at JStewart0920. Uh, follow Adam at the Sulu Effect. And of course, follow Johnny Analog. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Sal for stepping in. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Jason for our theme song. And next week, we have our first ever Rundown Dance-Off broadcast live on YouTube. Card subject change. Yes, card subject change. <laughs> uh, so with that, go fuck yourselves. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> Bye-bye. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. Maybe this week. This episode was hosted by some by uh, me and Sal. We are hi. hi. We are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all of our other podcasts and shows on questionnetwork.com and tune in next week for an all new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>